Welcome to Home Education Matters, the weekly podcast supporting you on your home education journey. Hello and welcome to Home Education Matters. And today I'm joined by Michael Olagonju, who is going to be talking to us about the role of technology and artificial intelligence in education. And I think as parents, home educating parents, as well as just general parents, I think this is something that we're probably going to come up against quite a bit, especially with the increase in things like software like ChatGPT and those kind of things that are sort of rearing their attractive heads, if not ugly heads, into education. And so first of all, Michael, thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. And perhaps you could tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me on the show, um, Eleanor. Much appreciated. It's always a pleasure to have chats with you offline and now online. Um, Yeah, so just a little bit about me. So I'm a British-born Nigerian I come from a very humble background. I was born and raised in West London. And so my kind of schooling journey um, goes like this. So I was doing really well academically until around about my A-levels, where I saw significant drop in my maths grades. Um, You know, the problem for us is that we couldn't afford a tutor. Um, But luckily, my mum took the initiative to find this channel called Exam Solutions, um, which had thousands of bite-sized videos um, they were free and they were super comprehensive. Um, the teacher was called Stuart Sidders. Um, of course, no, you know, you never forget a, a great teacher, you know. So that's why whenever I, you know, s- mention my kind of history, he's definitely part of it. Um, he had a really soft voice. His teaching style was perfect for me. I ended up using his revision um, resources as my main revision tool. And it helped me to get an A in my A-levels um, for mathematics and then go on to achieve a first-class honours degree in maths. That was a turning point for me because it kind of, it definitely put me on the right career path. You know, after that, I went into the city to work as a trader for around four years, which was very exhilarating. I enjoyed the role, um, but I think my passion was always in helping students who, like me, didn't have the access to high quality of education. And so, um, you know, now I happen to be in a position where I'm the director of exam solutions. Um, I'm really, really committed to helping every student unlock their full potential. Um, And, you know, our mission is very, very simple. It's to harness the the power of people, great content and technology to revolutionize the education landscape. Did you take over the company that helped you through your A-levels then? I did, yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's so cool. I know. So while I was while I was learning, I didn't know like learning from his videos. I didn't know him at all. You know, I was just using his videos, kind of like school. The, the teacher didn't do it for me, so I was using his videos. Didn't know who the guy was. Um, after the trading stint, I quit that. I did a little bit of traveling and then came back um, to education. Started up a tutoring company, which you will know as Air Maths Tuition. And we grew that organically. And, you know, in in order to get kind of your name out there, you you need to find innovative ways of kind of doing that. So I approached the guy, Stuart, and, you know, had a great conversation with him. It so happened to be the time he was looking for some support with GCSE content. And, you know, I was very, of course, you know, great GCSE content myself. So 
Um, he brought me on board. I learned the ropes. He's got a very, very unique way he makes his videos, a very unique style of teaching. And, you know, he's really taught me the value of presentation with our pedagogy. And that's why almost all of the, the content you'll see from Exam Solutions would have been presented well. And so, yeah, I, I ended it, you know, after a few years of working with him, um, he's now retired and you know, he had actually received offers from China, like a huge acquisition price. But he felt that the whole idea of, of Exam Solutions is to give opportunities to people like me. He's an absolute legend for what he's done for so millions of students, because now it's a huge channel. It's got over 240,000 subscribers. It's got millions of students on the website. So he's helping, you know, it's helped people all over the world, but it's also given me an opportunity and uh, a voice to kind of take it forward to the next level. And so as uh, yeah, aside with just the great content, we also have great technology now, which we're leveraging. Um, we've got huge opportunities, I feel. with I believe we're in an unprecedented era of AI and generative technology. And we find ourselves truly at a, a really the cusp of, a, of, of groundbreaking possibilities, which you know I feel that if managed correctly, can really reshape education for the better and so um i think it's it's really time to, to 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 seize this opportunity and be one of the pioneers of the change what do you think are the main opportunities for using ai in education because for me as a bit of a technophobe i find the whole thing a little bit sort of you know 1984 brave new world kind of scary but I'm sensing from you a huge enthusiasm for something that, if used correctly, could really revolutionise education. So what do you think are the main opportunities and how do you think it will change education over the next sort of 10, 20 years? Right. So I, th I feel that the main opportunities, um, where well, you think about um, a tutor, the idea of technology is, you know, it's not, re not necessarily to replace the tutor, um, but it's, it's, it's to complement you know, human beings. And that's why as part of our mission, it's how can we get humans to work with technology to, to make things a lot processes more efficient um, to actually help the student. So in terms of helping the student, well, if you think about the best teacher you have, you know, you've ever had before, what are the some of the things that you would say were characteristic in, in that teacher? Well, maybe it was the fact that they were extremely engaging, right? Maybe it was the fact that they were able to really take time and understand the way you learn and adapt to that and provide you with the right type of content um, or the right type of teaching to, to help you with just that. And one of the opportunities I see in AI is real personalized learning. It's a buzzword. I, I do I appreciate that everyone uses the word personalized. So just to get into a little bit more detail, the way we use it is it's one of the issues is actually um assessments right we we feel as though the true skill level of students is never really diagnosed it's re it's never really captured and it's very hard to go anywhere um meaningful if you don't know where you are you know and so one of the things we focus on is assessing students accurately and we do that using ai technology um, we look at the way that they are interacting with our, our platform. We're looking at the way they're answering our smart tests. Um, and we're dynamically rating the students as they're continuing to take smart tests. And so 
Um, our algorithm basically assigns the right questions to students based on their current skill level. When I say assigning the right questions, the word right is extremely key. Um, the right question for us is one that A, is engaging, but B, also actually upskills the student. So anybody could answer questions that are easy for them, right? But they're not necessarily helping you improve. And so our algorithm directly matches you. So we have a question bank of over 10,000 automated questions. Um, we are matching people dynamically with the right questions. Um, so that's just the one step, right? And then once they've taken those tests, um, we're actually able to say after a, a few tests, we could say with a certain degree, a significant degree of confidence that we believe that you're working at this skill level, you know? And then once we're able to assess them accurately, we can predict their future performance. And that's where we then step in as a tutor because everybody has their own expectations. It's important that expectations are um, managed in, in the relationship between learning providers, um, schools and parents. There's a lot of parents that come to us and say that they want their child to get an A star, but their child is really working at C. If that's the case, we say, well, okay, that's fine. You might need to join our learning program slightly earlier so we can do a little bit more work, right? But that's the reason why it's important to know that the skill level, that's extremely important. In terms of um, where we step in, once we're able to determine, okay, so we feel that you're working at this level and this is your target, well, we can then provide precise learning tasks to help the student actually level up, right? And they're all based on the data. We have really, really data-driven approaches of actually helping students increase their level. And, and so to go to the opportunities for a student, we actually, we use technology to actually improve their psychological safety, right? And their motivation. Because if you know, for example, that all I need to do is X, Y, Z, and I'm going to get this result, right? Then you're way more likely to engage in that um, activity than if there's uncertainty there. So the opportunity is really helping students for the client, for the people that are paying. Well, because we, we can say, you know, we know exactly how much work you need to do. We can actually calculate the cost of, of, of tuition, of learning with us. And that means for parents, for once, for the first time ever, we can actually start to cap spending. One of the issues at the moment is that people send off their kids to learning providers and they just say, please help my child. And there is no real, you know, there's no clear, A, there are no clear feedback loops. Um, so you don't know exactly where your child is, but B, it's like you don't know when that cost is going to stop. And what we do very differently is we say, let's spend some time with your child and understand their true skill level. And then we can tell you, OK, we think that to get your child from a B to an A, it's going to cost you X amount. Right. And and that X amount, um, thanks to technology, is is at a fraction of the cost of, as what it would have been, you know, a year ago. Um, so there's there's huge opportunities technology is providing for us. Just got to go back to the um, sort of students. Um, so I could go on about this for forever. <laughs> so do stop me like if I'm waffling on. Um, it's um, one thing that we've done and to stay ahead of the curve. Um, ChatGPT technology has been amazing um, as a personal tutor assistant. We're using it to help students as a real tutor, essentially, um, but as an AI one. So. If you could think about when a student needs help with a certain concept, 
a teacher probably wouldn't tell them the answer straight away. What they would do is say, well, they'll try and provide prompts for them. And so that's what our system does. We provide prompts for them. Our, um, our AI tutors have memory as well. So it means that they can refer back to um, points where you've made the same mistake. And so, and and perhaps at that point in back in time where you made that state, same mistake, we were able to guide you to the answer. So what we would do in that case was we'd say, well, do you remember when you made this mistake? How did you answer that question? Right. So it's really, really amazing what it can do in terms of helping students as a personal assistant. Now, as speaking about earlier, there's kind of two bands of learners at the moment that we have um, in our ecosystem. One is very exam focused, and that's probably accounts for the proportion of, of them. Um, and the other one is for the curious learners. So um, there's people that are asking, so, well, I'm answering a question on polynomials, like why am I learning about polynomials? What's the real world applications and what's the history behind it? Um, so thanks to GPT technology, which we've integrated into our system, there are simple prompts you can click on, which provide that information on every single topic you're learning on. So, so they'll tell your child, if your child is like, but why would I ever need to know Pythagoras's theorem? Right. So yeah. they you could actually they could click on a button and it would say these are the real life applications for Pythagoras's theorem. And this is like the history and the context behind it. Right. Is that what it does? Absolutely. Yeah. Nice. So, uh, and you could probably you know, you can have real conversations with with our um, our intelligent AI. Um, so you can go a step further and say, well, where can I use this in my own personalized my own interest? Like, say, for example, you want to be a rugby player or a. I don't know what you would want to be. You know, it's that intelligent, probably mm. more intelligent than I am at um, providing an answer to how Pythagoras is useful for rugby players. <laughs> but I guess to, to some extent it, it can be when you think about um, trajectories and mm. uh, shortest distance, shortest distances. Yeah, let me not try and be smarter than the AI, but... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so so you've got you've got a button that answers that eternal question of why do I need to know this? Correct. One thing that you said that I found really interesting was this idea that AI as one of the opportunities of using AI in education is that it, it allows children to kind of stretch themselves comfortably. And as a I work as a life coach and a lot of what I do is about encouraging people to live somewhere between that kind of comfort zone and the stretch zone. And there's been some very interesting research actually about how we should all, that's like our optimum place where we should all be living is somewhere just on the cusp between comfort and stretch. And it sounds to me like your AI mm -hmm you're kind of harnessing that to make that, to allow the students to be exposed to questions where they feel comfortable, but a little bit pushed, yeah? I love the concept of being in the middle of comfort and, and stretch. Um, we realized that, you know, and one of my favorite um, kind of um, mentors actually is a guy called David Goggins. Um, I don't know if you've heard of David Goggins, amazing. Um, I, I implore everybody to, um, listen to him he's he's an ex-navy seal um he's run around i think 400 mile races before you know he really channels into the idea of the the, the necessity for pain in order to actually um achieve something in life for you to have to go through things right and the problem with most people including myself is no one wants to go through no one wants to go through pain 
nobody everybody would prefer the easy option you know everybody wants the path of least resistance um however it's necessary for us to choose pain <laughs> sometimes in order to get to our destinations now what about if it could be easier for for us to do the things that we don't necessarily want to do but it doesn't feel like pain and that's what we essentially are doing a lot of the things we're doing is subtle um in in the way that the questions are designed to be a very seamless thing it's almost like you know people that use apple or you know as opposed to samsung some people don't actually know the reason why they would prefer that choice by the way i'm a samsung fan yeah so i'm team samsung um but the, the real thing is it's just like a lot of people would actually just say i don't know why it just feels better right and so we want to find that we want to find that kind of um you know, sweet spot where people are actually getting better, but they don't necessarily feel like they're doing much work. It's a very difficult thing to achieve. But I think with technology and data, I think we can certainly do it. Okay. So, I mean, it sounds to me like the main the main advantages of using AI in education uh, are personalized learning, really high quality feedback and assessments. Yeah. Being able to predict performance, so being able to sort of say you're working at this and in 18 months time you should be working at this by using data, like a really data driven model that right. it you use chat GPT to give feedback. I have a question about that in a moment, so don't let me forget. And then that it allows um, different types of learner. So learners that have questions like, why am I doing this? What's the point of this? And then the final one, I guess, would just be that it's a more cost efficient way of learning. So what AI is enabling us to do in education is to is to create a learning environment that is more efficient than school and has none of the baggage around it. Because obviously a lot of home educators, not all, not all by any stretch, but a lot of home educators have taken their children out because of some sort of negative or traumatic experience in school. Sometimes it's the teachers, sometimes it's the children, sometimes it's the way the learning is done. Mm. And I'm getting the impression from, from what you're saying that AI can create a learning environment that doesn't have a kind of teacher at the front of the room making you feel crap about yourself. It doesn't have other children in the school hallway throwing pencils at your head or whatever they do nowadays. Probably worse than that, actually. I'm basing that on like Billy Bunter or something. I don't know. <laughs> and so what, what we're creating with AI is this idea of, of efficient learning without the negatives. Would you say that's about where you're aiming for? That's a great synopsis. You know, just to that point about being not having to be in the classroom, we just had a conversation with Imperial um, early today, and that was one of the advantages that they've highlighted, you know, themselves. It's, it's the fact that, you know, there's a lot of pressures of being in a classroom. It's, it's not always easy to, and to start with, you know, there are fundamental issues with the education system, especially in the UK being the you know, there's such underfunding that typically there's overcrowding in classrooms, right? And and so even for the best teachers, it's a challenge for them to really support every student in the way that they can and want to, right? And and speaking of, you know, for the best teachers, there's 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 not that many very good teachers, in my opinion, from from what I've seen. Don't shoot me now, teachers, but 
I you think know, in actual fact, because I've got a background in teaching and and I think that that you're right, but it's circumstantial. Because what I noticed was that there are teachers who were very, very good and they became very disillusioned. They became worn down by the bureaucracy. They became worn down, worn down by the classroom management. And so I think like with everything, you'll get people who are good at a job and bad at a job. But in teaching, if you're good at the job, invariably then the circumstances kind of squash you down and you end up with even fewer good teachers, not for, through any mm. fault of their own. That's a very, very great point. I mean, you're often tied to um, deadlines and boundaries and curriculum that, you know, can definitely be restrictive. And yeah, so it's probably we're probably moving towards and we are already seeing the recruitment crisis. Yeah, it's it's difficult. It's becoming more and more difficult. Like, why would you be a teacher when you have um, the stresses of marking or, you know, so much sort of admin work? so much um, pressure from you know your seniors etc when people with the best skills academically but also perhaps socially um, could easily transfer those into a higher paying more stimulating role like yeah it's, it's becoming a dying breed and adding with technology which is undoubtedly going to be replacing people's um, roles i think it's going to lead to a structural decline in you know um you know, the the kind of teaching and, and not just teaching, really. I think many industries are going to unfortunately see a reduction in in in, in employment rates because of, of technology. And that, that's just like when you think about the fact that technology is going to be there, you know, all you know, all around the clock. You know, we can program. We, we already have programmed um, notifications where it's kind of reminding you, like, Hey, by the way, it's time to do do a little bit of work here. You doing you self learning doesn't feel like you don't as a student you don't feel the pressure, right? I think ultimately it's gonna you know there are some big decisions that need to be made um, by really senior people on on how much we embrace technology. But I think this is the future, and I think we have to embrace it. I think teachers have to embrace it to improve their own efficiency it can literally do that by a factor of five to 10, you know, at the moment. Um, but I think there's definitely an education that needs to be um, provided around how it can do that with teachers. And my thing is let's work together to ensure that students are getting the best out of their role um, instead of it being about us first, um, you know, what's going to happen to my role. I know that's obviously important, um, but I think the telltale signs really is like, embrace technology make sure you understand it first and don't let that wave pass by because it's a big wave it'll just crash over you won't it and take you with it mm. it's one of those bit like the internet where you just can't you can't push against it so you need to work with it really one is. question that comes to me as we were talking is that what role do you think humans will continue to play in education because obviously you mentioned at the start that you run exam solutions which is very ai based but you also run air maths which is tuition based right and that's humans i'm guessing yeah, and so good. yeah so what what role do you see humans playing and do you see a kind of do you see a place where your ai platform will sort of take the place of your tuition platform or do you see them complementary yeah so we we are leveraging on people content and technology 
to really revolutionize and you know the way people learn and so people are a massive part of of, of that chain and the the way we see the you know this world working is one where you know people have access to high quality learning at the fraction of the cost of a tutor um, using interactive learning courses that way we'll be able to help people um, you know disadvantaged students in 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 the UK all the way to those in Africa right um, but then as a last resort type of thing people will always be there you know so we have kind of call outs on our platform where if you want some support on a particular concept or you want a whole lesson, you want weekly lessons, you can quickly reach out. We would recommend some tutors based on, again, an algorithm. Um, and that would provide you with the perfect match for you, for you as a student. So we see people being involved as kind of the end of the that value chain, but also in terms of real learning, you know, for example, the sciences. Um, you need, you know, there's there's only a certain level of written testing you can do. I think experiments and the practical side of things are super important as well. So I think there will always be a space where people can convene together, test things, do, do practical work. I think there's always going to be room for that. And I think um, people are also um, important in terms of teams. You know, one thing that we need, to, a, a skill we need to improve more in education is teamwork. A lot of people aren't really taught how to work within a team, you know, and learn things like communication skills, um, which is probably one of my core values, communication. And I didn't really learn that until I was like, after four years of being an entrepreneur and four years of being really ticked off with people not kind of meeting expectations, um, I actually had to question myself like why why is this happening like why is it that like what i asked for is not what is being delivered like 70% of the time and i actually had to look within myself and say well what do i expect from people who am i communication is so important for me you know being super clear is being is so important for me and so if you if you define that right from the outset then you're actually going to attract people that have you know share your core values and so you know you actually end up with a better team a better morale better expectations managed and you know probably better results you know so like just going back to the point there are so many skills i think people are are going to be necessary for and and i do feel that technology is a way of optimizing learning if you look at it for what it is the fact that it can get you from a to z in the shortest path potentially right well the other advantage of that is that you might have more time you might have more time to learn new things and new skills so you know again another thing we look um at to you know the government for is what other skills can we start to bring into education that um you know aren't currently being taught these life skills are super important isn't that really fascinating because when we were talking about, you know, there is a crisis in teaching. I, I did a podcast with a teacher who's become a tutor, and she said that there are teachers leaving in swathes who are traumatized, as traumatized as the children who are leaving the school system. And so I was thinking as we were talking that if we look into the future of education, does this mean we're not going to have teachers in any capacity? But actually, I think you're right, is that if we were to use AI for some of the, some of the learning that is data-driven, and then we were to free up 
the school system, if for want of a better word, or the, the education system to be learning the, some of these executive skills, life skills, communication skills, mental health skills, physical health skills. There's so many things that, that as adults, we always bang on about, don't we? That like, I never learned that at school. That would have been useful to learn at school, all these kind of things. God, there's so many. Cooking, budgeting, politics, mm. um, rhetoric, communication, mental health, all these absolutely core things as we get older are not taught in, in school. They're not addressed in school hardly at all. And if we were to maybe harness AI in the way that you're doing, which is we could sort of say, okay, every morning you sit down at your computers and you do like kind of data-driven education. And then in the afternoons, that's when you're with human beings, you know, teachers and mentors, and you're learning some of these soft skills, if you like. I mean, I think that would be a, a, a great a great move, a great educational move in the future. Yeah, that was um, well put together. I couldn't agree more. I have a question about the chat GPT element. And that is that when you're when it's giving feedback and it's working on it's sort of building up a memory of, of feedback. Does it sort of say nice things? Does it say, oh, Jeremy, that was a really good answer. Well done. Because I feel like sometimes we need humans to sort of say, oh, you did really well there, you know, Mel Melanie, you know, you did like super well. And does is ChatGPT able to do that kind of thing, sort of almost give that kind of friendly response? Because I found that when I've been using ChatGPT, it's a little bit like, um, I think I use this analogy in, in our other podcast about AI, but it's a little bit like an editor of The Guardian talking to you, you know, it's... <laughs> It's a, it's not yeah. very warm and cuddly. And I wonder, you know, are you able to kind of program that kind of thing in or are we not quite there yet? We are there. We are definitely there. But yeah, you can definitely um, affect the tonality of responses. You can affect the level of exactness. So for, for example, if we program a hint to be, say for example, you're solving a, a simple, um, let's use Pythagoras theorem. For example, finally, it's the, it's the only maths I know, Michael. So please okay. use it. That's a great one. <laughs> <laughs> Assuming we're trying to find the length of the longest side and we're given the lengths of the two shortest side, if the student would ask how to do that, we could set in hints as prompts, um, so that you know the system knows exactly how to ask the student um, the prompt. Within the way we ask the student the prompt, we can actually say, well basically ask it exactly how we've told you to ask it or we can say well perhaps you could have well maybe not to this degree but we could reduce the exactness which just means that chat gpt has a little bit more room to um, provide some you know more generative text around it so instead if we provide the first hint to be something like um a squared plus b squared is equal to c squared that could just be a very general hint which doesn't really help the student if he doesn't know what um you know which side a is and which side b is etc um so you could perhaps say well don't you um you know if we reduce the exactness there we the system could perhaps say well the length of the shortest side or the longest side is c rather than a or b or something like that and that could serve as a probably a more helpful prompt than the ones that we would give it so it is smart enough to be able to um for us to influence the way it interacts with clients um, and there are more things you can do with it in terms of how flexible it is to interact with our students 
That's good to know because I think sometimes when you interact with AI, it can feel very much like, I mean, for example, I talk to my Alexa sometimes and the amount of time she's like, I'm sorry, I don't have an answer for that. Or I'm sorry, I'm only an Alexa and I don't have an opinion. It's like, well, keep, just make up an opinion. <laughs> I know. I, I mean, this is the first time we've had technology that really feels like it it knows us, you know? That's almost scary, you know, to, to... Does it worry you in any way, the rise of AI? Um, I think that if managed incorrectly, could be, um, could be interesting where we end up. You know, I think that there are ethical implications of, of super intelligent AI. You know, at the end of the day, these are models which... These are algorithms that are being created by humans, right? And so every human has a bias. And so if you think about the first ever algorithm that was, was ever made or something, right? And every other algorithm is a spawn, like a spawn from that initial algorithm, then it's almost like there was one creator and that creator had a bias. The point I'm trying to make is that there might be you know, misrepresentations in the way that these algorithms um, provide information to us human beings, which is, can be, you know, not helpful, of course. Um, but I mean, if you think about, for example, um, have you heard of like mid journey? No. Okay. Mid journeys are like, it's similar to chat GPT, but instead of synthesizing like text, it can synthesize images. Right? Oh, is this the thing that is like making pornography with with people's images because that is slightly terrifying and i'm sure that must be illegal actually well i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say it was mid-journey that's responsible but is for that, that. Ki is that kind of software is it it's is the, the software, software where you can basically say you know create me an image of eleanor marker you on know on a surfboard or something on a surfboard yeah there's yeah, been a lot of images of that after the coronation has hasn't there i've noted i've seen a lot people have been sharing with images of like Camilla like dance break dancing or something and I and in actual I found it I'm a massive anti-royalist and so I found it really hilarious and then I actually found it very very worrying really quickly like the two emotions came very fast after each other and um, I suppose is there a concern that with AI in learning that we could end up with a system whereby the feedback that our children are being given is actually kind of worrying in some way um yes yes i do feel that um if if managed incorrectly students could be could end up being misinformed as per the point i was making earlier um but yeah generally speaking you could do a lot of things with ai and you can yeah you can change the way people you, you can you can you can create images of people doing things that they hadn't done you can create audios of people saying things they hadn't said. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, it could be it could be potentially quite dangerous for for students, but for for, for everyone, I think. Um, I but think like, this is I think yeah. this is probably a conversation that just as human beings, we're going to end up having regardless of whether it's in the realm of education or in the you know in our social lives because when I first started doing this podcast I edit the podcasts on audacity which is like a free editing software and I knew nothing at all about editing before I started doing the podcasts and 
I realised very quickly, I generally just edit out like ums and ahs and if, if my children come running in the room or if my dog barks or things like that. But I realised really quickly that I can make anyone say anything with my editing softwares. If I have an hour of you talking to me, Michael, I can make you say anything with my editing software. And that's just me, little old me with my Audacity software. So it's terrifying to think what AI can do, actually. Yeah. I used to, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm quite familiar with Audacity. I, I didn't know that was even a capability that you can make people just say whatever you want. But you can just yeah. splice it all together. You can just, what you can do is just take little words, splice the words together, and then if you, you can use uh, like uh, fade in and out to make it just sound like it's all part of the normal conversation. It's quite scary. Yeah. It is, it is crazy. It is super crazy. But every time I, you know, think about that, I also remind myself of the power of it as well you know you could you could bring back musicians from the dead you can get michael jackson singing i don't know last christmas i gave you my heart (laughs) did he sing that did he do a version of that no but so you could actually get him to sing something else because actually one of my clients recently went to see abba in london you know they got that kind of AI ABBA thing and I was very sniffy about it and when she came back she showed me some videos and it looks so good I'm gonna book my mum and my daughter to go with me because <laughs> it just looks and I thought god you could see like the Beatles Bob Dylan yeah. I know he's still alive but you know barely and uh, <laughs> you could <laughs> you know you could you could have uh like Big Bill Brunsey, who I absolutely love, and he died like a long time ago. It would be amazing to have some of these artists up. So I think you're right. I think with all these things, we have to be aware of the negatives, but perhaps not fearful of of using them in our education journey. So I have one one question for you before I ask you a little bit more about your platform to finish. Um, what about the role of neurodiversity and AI? Is I mean, I'm wondering how your platform works with autistic children or uh, children with ADHD or things like that? I mean, is there anything sort of built in for that or is it just so adaptive that it just kind of adapts to each individual? Yeah, so the built-in features we have for neurodiverse students is, you know, the memory AI. So, you know, having tutors that, AI tutors essentially that can recall specific misconceptions that you make, remind you of those as prompts um, and say, for example, Remember when you got this question wrong, um, how did you how did you get it right? And those triggers can certainly help any student. I think it could be useful for neurodiverse students. But we actually have an onboarding questionnaire. You know, we ask our students when they're starting the, pro- the learning program. And one of the questions is, what are your um, interests? Um, what are your hobbies? What are your career aspirations? And also, what are your learning styles? So we have a space for visual learners. Um, We have a huge question bank of around 10,000 questions. Um, They're all digitized. And from their their preferences, from their learning styles, um, et cetera, say you're a visual learner, we can actually um, say there was an equation of, I don't know, X plus two is equal to five. And your interest is football, for example. We could use you know, two footballs um, on one side of the equation and five footballs on the other side of the equation. Um, what so, if your interest is Taylor Swift? Do you have any Taylor Swift questions? Um, I would ask ChatGPT the answer <laughs> to that. ChatGPT <laughs> would know a lot about Taylor Swift, I reckon. It, it probably would know more than I do, you know. <laughs> um, 
one thing that I think is sounds really beneficial for me as a home educator is that there are some subjects and maths is definitely one of them where mm. you need a particular grade right so it, there's maths and there's English language where most colleges well all colleges actually pretty much say we need you to pass maths and English language and sometimes you can go to the college and they'll let you resit them with them um and that kind of thing and that there's a bit of flexibility but generally it's it's what maths is one of those subjects where parents their child maybe loves maths that's all brilliant fabulous but if their child doesn't love maths they still need to pass maths it's just it's not like religious studies or sociology or biology where you can just choose not to take that subject so for me as a home educating parent i like the idea that there's a system where i could say i need my daughter to get a pass in maths in two years time can you like plug plug that data into your system so that she's working on a kind of trajectory to get that end result so um from my perspective as a parent it feels like a kind of if your child is maybe not great at maths or maybe you're worried about them getting a maths result this might take off some of that pressure absolutely we want um our, our parents to look at us as almost like a factory um where you put in your investment and then you you get out the returns and and your investment is the cash and you know the support of being a parent um we have actually you know we've got a reward system where you know we're providing those constant feedback loops to the parents and they have the opportunity to re, um, provide cash or sticker rewards to their child which is a really nice tool we you know we understand the the importance of relationship um in in between the parent and the child in the student's learning journey but on the other side of that is you know you've made an investment and you want to have some degree of certainty that that investment is going to pay dividends um and that's why the scientific approach to this is so necessary um and you know you know that's why i believe that we stand out as you know an educational um, technology provider you know we we are capping people's spendings we say br you know bring us your child um, we'll test them we'll assess their skills as accurately as possible and once we have that data on, on the student we can then say well you need to do four hours of maths um, a week or you need to do four hours of maths a day the the main thing is is that we actually have precise learning tasks. We take the work out of the parents' hands. We take the guesswork out of their hands, and we provide them also that degree of psychological safety. Of I know exactly what I'm getting for how much I'm spending. And you know, if you think about Uber for example, they did this really well. Um, you know, when you order an Uber, you know exactly where it is. You know exactly how much you're going to be spending, regardless of all the traffic. And this is what you want. You want essentially to um, you you want to be confident in the decisions that you make with with anything you do. We're kind of facilitating that. I completely agree. And one reason that I actually started doing this podcast was because I wanted home educators to realize that there's so many different approaches to home education, you know, and there's so many different approaches to each individual subject. And I know that there'll be people listening to you who think that for me, that isn't what education is. You know, for me, it isn't about, you know, this kind of factory process of put in your child and you get an end result. But for others, that is absolutely what it is. Right. And and for others who maybe have taken their children out of school or maybe 
for me personally, my children haven't been in school, but I'm very efficient when it comes to our GCSE learning in particular, because I like to do as little as little as possible and then get the best grade they can and then spend the rest of our life enjoying our life. Right. So we don't have to spend too much time on our learning. And there are definitely people who will be listening who are like, yes, I want to be able to just say I want my child to get this grade in this subject because she needs it to go to college. She needs it to go on to her A-levels. And there'll be others who say, well, you know, for me, it's all about the process. And for me, it's about them, you know, building a love of the subject and a love of learning and autonomy and things like that. And this is one thing I love about home education is that there's something for everybody and no one way is better than another way. It's just what is right for you and your children. Absolutely. We understand that as in the name exam solutions, we are exam focused. But we definitely have room um, and we accommodate different types of learners and clients, parents who have different types of you know, motivations. Um, we have prompts where people can actually look at the real world application for almost every topic that they are learning. They can find out, OK, why am I learning about covalent bonds or you know, polynomials? Why am I learning about this? And what's the history behind this? So. There's definitely a space for them. Everybody has their own way that they like to do things. And I think that, you know, th this technology provides the autonomy of, of learning at your own pace, um, of learning at your own time. I think there's a, there's a limit to, you know, how, how much it can cover in terms of, you know, people's needs. I think the limit is, is people, right? You need people. They are important. And at some stage, human intervention will always be required, right? But I do feel that there's a lot more we can do to support students using using technological solutions. So um, thinking about your website in particular and just the nuts and bolts of it, does it cover all ages? Does it go up to A-level? What sort of ages? And is it only maths? I'm guessing it is, right? No, it's, it's STEM. Um, so we are supporting science students doing their science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. Is that um, all specifications? That is most of the UK specifications. Um, we're also covering some international specifications like the ones um, Edexcel, International Edexcel, Cambridge Papers as well, and IB. So yeah, I mean, we're covering the majority of these, but for the learning courses, we're resource, fully resourced for the mathematics. We're currently working on building content for the sciences next. And in terms of the age ranges, we're supporting students across all age, age ranges for the tutoring. Um, so we have over 100 qualified STEM tutors that um, you know, support students from primary school all the way up into university and including university. Um, for the interactive learning courses, we're currently supporting students at age 15 to 18. So anywhere from year 10 to A-levels, we're currently supporting for that demographic. But our plans are definitely to expand um, to, to the primary years. You know, we're, we're looking forward to launching next week to see the traction it gets, um, to see how, you know, people are going to engage with the platform. And, you know, just as a note to your community, this will be free for the next few months. Um, it'll be free up until around September for people to use. That's all of the subscription tiers. You know, we're really excited about basically showing the world how powerful this is and how easy it is to use. So 
um, this will be free for all for for the foreseeable future. Before my listeners all go running off to exam solutions because it's free, and I'm guessing some of them are going to be like, oh, I don't want to like get my child into this if it's going to be a really expensive subscription afterwards. Do you have any idea what the subscription rates are likely to be? Yeah, so the subscription rates are likely to be around £10 per month. That's for the monthlies. Um, we have a couple of tiers. Um, is that for, is that sorry to interrupt? Is that for say, for example, they wanted to do physics, chemistry, and maths? Would that cover all three, or would they need a separate subscription for each subject? So they will need a, a separate subscription. At the moment, we the subscriptions are only available for mathematics. Um, just so that the audience are aware, um, we will launch the physics, chem, and bio subscriptions probably within a year or so. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we have these monthly subscriptions are around ten pounds per hour. Um, that's ten, you know ten pound a month. Ten pounds per month. Thank you for um, <laughs> yeah reminding me on that. In terms of the features, that gives access to unli- unlimited um, videos and assessments. Um, we we provide premium reporting and feedback. Um, we also provide accurate predictions, great predictions, and level up support. Great. So all the things we were talking about, all the AI features we were talking about. Correct. If you would like um, the additional features, um, which includes an intelligent AI tutor companion, which is you know powered by um, GPT-4 technology, also exam papers would be included in those as well. Those are um, practice exam papers that we create ourselves in-house, as well as predictive papers, those for £20 per month. And then we have we also have, of course, we've got annual billing, um, which allows people to access the same features, just at a even more discounted rate. So we really focused on showing people and, and getting people involved um, more than kind of the cost at the moment, because, of course, once we've um, able to demonstrate how well it works for people, the platform naturally inherently will improve as we get more students using it, because you know, these are very data-driven approaches. As time goes on, we start to get more granular in terms of the questions that we assign to students, much more granular. So at the moment, we have a system which operates as easy, medium, and hard. We navigate those questions using a specific model um, used by chess players, actually. It's called the ELO rating model. Now, as time goes on, we continue to create more questions, which actually... Um, reflect the distribution of difficulty levels. We know that there's probably more to difficulty levels than easy, medium, and hard. There's probably one between easy and medium, for example. So it's about getting precisely the right question for students. So yeah, I mean, our our kind of initial proposition is to get people on the platform. Um, we know that the home ed community definitely like to get involved in activities during the summer. So it's a great opportunity for them to log in for free and do some questions and, you know, watch some videos and see, interact with our intelligent AI and, you know, have conversations with this, this friend of yours, essentially a friend of yours. Um, Yeah. So really excited to get this launched next week. Yeah. Well, that sounds fabulous. And I think probably by the time this podcast comes out, your website will probably be live. So if you could just remind our listeners of, the website names, and if you're on social media or whatever, so they can find you there. Yes, yeah, so our website is www.examsolutions.net. You can 
find us on Twitter as well, at Exam Solutions. We're also on Instagram, Exam Solutions Guy. It's called Exam Solutions Guy. Are you on TikTok? We are not on TikTok yet, but we are planning. Missing a trick there. (laughs) I I do feel we're missing a trick, yeah. Um, You can also find us on YouTube as well. Um, that's where you can get just kind of direct access to all the videos. It's exam solutions. Just type in exam solutions on YouTube and yeah, enjoy, enjoy from uh, a large platter of tasty videos. <laughs> and just quickly, I know you also run a tuition website. In fact, that's how I know you because my son has his A-level tutor through you. So um, you're one, I mean, one thing I, I loved about your tuition website was just how diverse the mass tutors were because I've got this image of mass tutors and pretty much none of your mass tutors look like my <laughs> what I think mass tutors look like which I think is a massive bonus so tell us a little bit briefly about your mass tuition website that's air maths yeah so we're actually moving all of these tutors we've moved them all over to exam solutions so if you go to examsolutions.net forward slash tutors you will see all of our tutors there. Essentially, we're merging everything together. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so our tutors are specifically chosen to be diverse. I, I'm the person that interviewed all of our tutors. You know, it's not just about the ethnicities um, being so diverse or their sexualities or anything like that. It's also about, you know, your personality. Like, you know, we're having a chat on screen. Am I excited about it or do I feel like falling asleep? These are the questions I ask myself in the interview. Um, so, of course, we do the standard procedural checks like academic qualifications. You know, they're all strongly skilled with at least a 2-1 in a science-based discipline. Those are the, you know, the protocol type things, you know. After we've gone through that, then I just have a chat with them. And, you know, these guys are really interesting. They're super engaging. They've got excellent personalities. Some are eccentric. Some are loud. Some are cheerleaders. They are great, amazing tutors, and we're really, really happy that they are ambassadors for Exam Solutions, and they're representing us really, really well. Thank you so much for telling us all about your AI, new AI platform, but also just having a general discussion about the role of AI in education. And I think certainly what I take from it is that use it as a tool that it could actually be a really positive change in education. And certainly I'm going to be trialing your system out over the summer while it's free <laughs> and seeing uh, seeing how my daughter loves it because maths is a pretty constant battle. So that sounds great. So thank you so much for coming on our podcast today, Michael. It was really great talking to you. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining us for today's Home Education Matters podcast. See you at the next one. Have a lovely day.